testicles? Testicles? Check. Lick a bag. Lick a bag. Lick a bag. You know what? This is this is exactly how all podcasts start, <laughs> right? People misbehaving. I have grown so accustomed to hanging out with you wild animals raised by you know dingoes out in the wilderness. Like the firearm community, what a what a fun bunch! But uh, you podcast, Brian, are one of a kind. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. <laughs> yes. Uh, we've definitely had a few uh, interesting days here at the vault. I've uh, interviewed Danny, the academic. Academic Danny is uh, always a lot of fun to talk to, and actually I wanted to come straight from his conversation uh, to this one uh, because he, of course, had some fantastic views about socialism and Marxism. And, and, you know, talking to Danny is always an enlightening experience because he will tell you the history. I, I've seen the man's library. He is, like, unbelievably well-read. And you could tell just uh, after spending a few moments with him. And he talked about socialism, and you and I were just discussing it now. And, you know, it really isn't a new thing. It's been in the universities for a while. Well, it... it, it, it goes back to the you know turn of the century when marxism was becoming a political movement and it it always moves through the intelligentsia that's where all the all the thought about about societal change was coming from was the universities right so these are the movements that that started the the nazis and the the workers parties and the you know the communists and the socialists and all these these different groups and and uh and they gained power and they gained traction and people studied them and came up with ideas about how they can make things better and there were lots of horrible things going on in the world that needed fixing um and they thought they had the the answer with every new ism that came along and uh Oh. And, uh, you know, there, there are some truly horrible things there. I mean, the, the reality is, is de- uh, democracy and capitalism may be extremely flawed, horrible systems, but they're the best things we've come up with yet to govern and to spread wealth throughout the world. And anybody who disagrees only has to look at the planet and realize that over the last hundred years, the number of people living in poverty, uneducated, you know, without a without a pair of pants to their name, has has been reduced to tiny numbers comparatively. I mean, there are poor people and there are people with less than others, but you know, the amount of homelessness that is caused by international instability is is less than it's ever been. There's less war than there's ever been. You know, there are more wealthy people, there are more billionaires, there are more millionaires than there have ever been. And more people are educated, more women are educated, more women are free, more people work than have ever done that in human history. And it's because of capitalism and free market economies and democracy. And anyone who disagrees with that, they can yell all they want. They're wrong. They're simply wrong. You know, you talk about, you know, good times and... Uh, a lot of the world's population enjoying a uh, uh, wonderful life, you know, comparative to some of the things that have gone on in the past. I uh, <clears throat> I can't think, we, you know, what better time for a ground war, right? Like, I mean, things are good. And if anybody uh, hasn't already noticed, you know, Danny reminded me last night, he said, you know, a lot of people think that the uh, 
Nazis were far right. <laughs> like they know they weren't. They were, you know, they, they started, were pretty left. They were pretty they left. Were pretty left. They were pretty left. And I, I think throughout history we see fine examples of uh, socialism and how it doesn't work. Uh, you know, with a broad range of, you know, misgivings towards, uh, you know, the subject population. Uh, ultimately, uh, I think if you just look at the track record here, we've had a very liberal government in power now for what, you know, five years, five and a half years? Six, yeah. Feels like a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering when enemy occupation is going to end. Well, it's 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 about time for the liberating troops to roll through and and. Uh, I'm uh, telling you, any day I expect to see like a U.S. jet flying right over oh, like a formation. I'll tell you, buddy, if the, if the parachutes floated down right now, I would greet them as liberators. I wouldn't care if they had Russian flags on their friggin' shoulders. I'd be like, oh my god, uh, thank God, liberation, get us out of this. You know, you know, with. Uh, you know, Obersturmbannfuhrer Freeland uh, friggin' uh, overseeing the occupied territory and uh, insisting that we're all going to start giving up 80% of our income so that the, uh, you know, the methadone users can live in the lap of luxury while I go work 18-hour days, uh, you know, is... Uh, is not anything I'm interested in being a part of. So, oh well, I'm sure I'm sure they'll slap some gravy on it and make it delightful for well, people to ingest yeah. in the mainstream media. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're they're definitely going to get as much help as you could ever imagine from them. Um, you know the articles that are being written these days. Uh, you know, hey, to their credit, I see a lot of uh, you know breaking stories in the National Post. Um, I was surprised today that uh, uh, Freeland was getting nailed by the media. I don't know who it was, but a couple people were asking some really hard questions about, like, what are you talking about? We're going to keep Serb going, and what are you talking about? We're going to have a green reopening. Like, what are you talking about? Green. Like, there's nothing green about green. All green is is a, a different avenue to steal money. And, you know, the arms race was won, the military industrial complex, and now we've got the, uh, you know, the eco industrial complex. And, you know, if you so much as question the need for us to dump trillions of dollars into more windmills and more toxic uh, 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 solar panels, you know, people have no idea what goes into building solar panels. They have no idea the amount of energy. I mean, everyone who gets mad about bitumen and and developing um, uh, tar sands oil. Uh, and then doesn't have a problem with mining lithium from the earth and the and the toxic uh, heavy metals that are required to make uh, uh, solar panels, the open pit mines, the child slaves that uh, make their 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 car batteries, and uh, and the tremendous damage that's done, the amount of energy that goes into producing these things, and then after a very short lifespan, they have to be recycled. And, and, and with another expenditure of energy and effort and, and, and pollution and all this, and, you know, oh, that's great. That's fine. There's no, there's no problem with that because it's their particular flavor of political idiot that's pushing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, anybody who is an ism to the extent of all else and refuses to, to, to open their eyes and look through 
the the haze and clearly focus on what's going on, whether it's left or right, is uh, is is really contemptible. And the problem is, is they've all got access to Twitter and they've all got access to Instagram and Facebook, and they get to post whatever shade of the day is and whichever flag they want to put up, and you know, remembering this or candlelight for that, or you know, oh woe is me, we have to save the planet, or you know. Whatever it's 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 contemptible because it doesn't solve any problems and all it does is it it, it empowers narcissistic um, tendencies in people who are struggling to find meaning because without survival there's 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 it's very different and survival and meaningful labor there's very little reason to survive there's very little reason to exist wow. so you know all these people yeah I posted a I posted a pink square on my Facebook today, man. I'm making such a big difference in the world. All those panda bears that are dying due to global warming, you know, I'm going to save them all with my, like, like, like my pink Facebook page, you know, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, you know what? I, uh, I so look forward to our podcast. Right, because hey man, don't you belittle <laughs> the struggle of the panda bears, man? <laughs> this, this, you know, this is what I have to work with, folks. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm having a great time. We're uh, here at the fire pit. We're uh, awaiting the arrival of a very special guest, um, Dave Wart, the Bush Wookie himself, is going to be joining us tonight, and I'm really, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I know he's a friend of yours, and uh, I've, I've met him uh, briefly at uh, TACCOM, and it was a pretty uh, pretty quick meeting. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy event. And I've oh. really been looking forward, though, to seeing him again and actually spending a little time with him, and he's just arrived. There he is. There, oh, we were talking about him. We were just ta- <laughs> speak of the devil, and he Hi. shall appear. Look look at you. Hi. How you doing, oh, buddy? Dude, right? it is so good to see you, man. Re- really good to meet you. Well, hold on. Let me, let me take a look at you. Stand up straight for a second. Stand up straight. Okay, you know what? You got to be a good two two thirty six, and maybe around coming around five ten. Ah, five you know eleven, two ten. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know what? Jeez, close. man. He's, a, he's, he's, he's looking thinner than you, when we worked you together. Know what? Wow. <laughs> you know what? Wow. So, solid kid. <laughs> have, have, have a seat. We've already have gotten seat, started. Thank you. Oh my God. Good All right. Thanks for the invite. All right. Oh you. <laughs> like it. Yeah. We. You know what? We have. We have a small audience today. Now, you know what? He. He's gonna stay on the sidelines, but I imagine at some point he might jump into the conversation too. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. You know what? Pull up a pew, kiddo. Cool. Thank you. Right on. You know what? I was just saying. Thank you. Wow. This is great. Dude, I was just saying how much I was looking forward to meeting you, and to have you here on the show is is a real special treat for me. I'm surprised there's a show going on right now. I'm blown no, away right no, now. No, 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 no. You know, hey, listen, I'm all about the timing at the Canadian Gun Vault. Trust me. No kidding. Right. And uh, we were uh, we were anticipating your arrival. You have arrived right on time, soldier. Right. I'm Beautiful. pretty. I'm, I'm impressed. You came in a full <laughs> one minute early, right before the wow. clock. Yeah, you did. You did great. I'm making H hour. You know what? You're, do, you're doing it. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, listen. You're the show. You're the show tonight. Wow. Right. I have been really looking forward to talking to you. I, I really hope you don't mind. I promise. I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass you. Okay. Okay. I'll uh, I'll just ask that you uh, try and maintain some degree of composure and decorum when we talk about Justin Trudeau. I know Absolutely. how fr- I know how frustrated uh, you know many gun owners are in this country. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I'm sure you have an opinion or two on the subject, and that may come up tonight. So, 
getting started, uh, for those of you that uh, don't know him, uh, we have uh, in our uh, company tonight, much to my delight, Dave Ward, a uh, Canadian Armed Forces uh, retiree. Retiring soon, yes. Yeah? You're, you're on your way out? On my way out. I just cleared out of Meaford. Dude, punching the clock, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ready to pull the pin? 18 years, and it's been a great 18 years, and um, I've seen so much, met so many people, and it's opened up so many opportunities and doors, but it's just like, more recently, I've just realized, like, I just came from the Helping Heroes Heal golf tournament up yes. near Guelph, yeah, yes. and like, you know what I mean? So being involved with these uh, veteran charity organizations and stuff like that, just today made me feel like I'm going in the right direction, and now I'm on a podcast. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. Dude, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Man, you know what? Listen. Same. Okay, uh, I got to tell you, I had uh, I had seen you at TACCOM very briefly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I consider myself a fairly good judge of character. I appreciate that. I, I spent uh, I spent a good 20 years assessing people uh, in an instant. And uh, you struck me as the kind of young man that was uh, driven and that I was going to be seeing again in the future, for sure. Thank you. And I apologize it took so long. You're a busy man. And so are you. <laughs> I am. I am, all right? Uh, but but it's my show. So, Beautiful. Right? I'm glad you've made time tonight to see us. No, so so what what is it that made you start Bushwookie? Because you know what? A lot of people a lot of people may know you, some may not. And I can tell you right now that uh, Bushwookie right, is something that people have been talking about. So I want to know. I want to know. Tell me what it's all about. So realistically, it starts from my service as a Canadian Forces sniper. So I had a really good career with the one PBCLI as a sniper, uh, as a shooter, as a competitive shooter, and also as a shooting coach. Nice. So what I wanted to do from there is when I left Alberta, I wanted to continue to be a coach. And that's why I started this company is to be a shooting coach and assist uh, military and law enforcement security agencies when it came to shooting and competitive shooters because I have a huge passion for shooting. So, which is great that you and I are talking because we all know how passionate you are about shooting and everybody ah, here. So, I've, I've been known to pull the trigger every now right? and then. Yeah, trust me, I've been following you for a long time now. And it, this is thank you, first of all, for having me. Um, but it didn't turn out to be that way. I found it to be a little bit more frustrating, a little bit more difficult. Ontario is a lot more regulated, more difficult to get into the ranges. Like they're super expensive compared to out west and you don't have the long range distances that I required. The only time I could do it was I'd be on a military range. So I ended up just like, what else can I do? And I was like, well, in the meantime, I still want to support military and law enforcement. So let's start selling shirts and contributing to charities. And it's been awesome. Dude, very, very cool. Love hearing about you giving back. Uh, I definitely think that the Canadian militaries and certainly militaries all over the world are a terrifically underappreciated commodity. And uh, that's only if I reduce you to the state of, you know, a thing. You guys are uh, our most valuable, as far as I'm concerned, resource. And uh, you're completely, again, underappreciated uh, for the sacrifices you make. And talking to Bugsy, I learned, you know, I used to be of the opinion that if you didn't go to war, 
that you, you know you'd served but you hadn't really served but I can tell you that sacrifices are made by people uh, with or without conflict and when you join the Canadian military I know you have to much like policing uh, give away a part of your life Yes. And, and a lot of people don't realize that or appreciate that. And uh, you Well, know. and you you got to realize too, Mark, like, I mean, with the Canadian military, right? Um, I mean, from the time from Korea, mm-hmm. we didn't see any service until Vietnam as an observer nation. Mm-hmm. We didn't fight there. And then uh, Cyprus started up in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And, and Cyprus was basically the only deployment for 25 years. You know, the people did Cyprus. If they, you know, there was a, there's a small one, Golan Heights, uh, after the 70s. And then... And the uh, Dark Pocket was a big one that but, definitely had its effect. Well, and then, and then of course, Yugo came along, and it started as a peacekeeping mission, and then it rapidly turned peacemaking, and then it turned into defend yourselves. And I think the whole peacekeeping thing, people were getting tired and pissed off of being... Um, of being uh, witnesses sure. to horrible things. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Somalia, you know, we stood around and watched people get massacred. Yugoslavia, we stood around and watched people get massacred. Uh, you know, everywhere we go, we stand around and watch people get massacred. And finally, when they came at us at, at the Medak Pocket, we said enough's enough. And we taught them a lesson. We gave them a little spanking. And, you know, uh, what was it platoon level or company? Company level, right? My history is not on point. I, I, I apologize. It, it might have been section level. Oh, you're but, about to get an education, but, but man. They, you're sitting they, next to that guy. But He's crazy. But they, yeah, like they they <laughs> held off and fought and and inflicted serious losses to the Croatian army. And um, you know, all of a sudden, it was game back on. It was like uh, you know, we're 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 war fighters. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the weird thing is, is then then you know, along comes 9/11, and and we start fighting again. And for some reason, all our training seems to be focused on peacekeeping. And that really frustrated me when I was a operations warrant um, uh, with my unit. I, I mean, we were focusing on, you know, on, on non-lethal uh, observational tactics and all the CIMIC and all these different civilian cooperation kind of things rather than the hardcore war fighting that we did all the way through the 80s and early 90s. And... Uh, you know, and then and there we were in Afghanistan. Like actually, you know, that was the 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 theater itself was an education, right? And and Absolutely. and taught our guys a lot about how to how to operate in combat environments. But um, you know, and 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 once again, you know, the military has fallen off to uh, uh, third tier status with with this government and uh, underfunded, uh, ignored, underappreciated, um, and really just uh, government using it to. Uh, you know, to fan past glories uh, uh, when we were doing UN work and uh, really just ignoring everything else, showing a lot of contempt. So, uh, you know, it's got to be a hard time to be a soldier. Um, Well, you know what? And the one thing I want to say that even that, yeah, it's difficult to be a soldier, but all first line or, yeah, first line responders, and especially now I'm sitting here with correctional officers who are up in the chain of command as sergeants. Like, I got to say, like, Law enforcement, like, man, like, for police and correctional officers, like, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. And I'm glad I spent some time being a correctional officer. Like, I was only there for six months, and, like, I left. I had my reasons, and but, like, that love and respect for correctional officers and law enforcement is, is through the roof because they're there facing, you know, threats potential threats every day and i you know what like i have the utmost respect for them so i i you know what 
I, I should say that I expected nothing less from a respectful young man like yourself. Um, I, I can tell you that, you know, being a police officer is very different than being a soldier. Um, it's, it's more about prolonged, frequent exposure over an extended period of time. I imagine in a soldier's life there's a degree of conditioning uh, leading up to sudden bursts of incredible levels of violence, which, you know, we may or may not talk about tonight. I, uh, you know, I've always been very respectful of people's experiences and how they may be very bad. Um, you know, one day you and I will discuss those things, uh, perhaps off recording, <laughs> and uh, I'd love to talk about those items with you at some point when you're ready. Uh, yeah, for sure. Again, respectfully. Uh, but uh, to, to Brian's point, I can tell you right now, I've never been a sideline player. I always liked being in the fight. I'm not going to lie. You know, I could like, see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I, people have, yeah, people right? have accused me of being a pretty intense guy. I, I was an intense police officer. I was, I was officer friendly. Uh, they, you know, there's a stupid video called Honest, Honest Cops right? That, that follows me around everywhere I go. But I, I was a pretty intense police officer. And I could tell you, as a guy that wouldn't easily sit on the sideline and watch injustice, it would really, really bother me. Um, I'd have a real issue with that. I think I'd be bringing that up uh, as, at least as far as I could as a soldier with uh, no opinion. Um, you know, at times, uh, as a police officer, I can tell you that you give up your opinion, you know, in a lot of ways, you, you give up that freedom to express yourself publicly, uh, for sure. Uh, as a police officer, you give away those things, you make sacrifices, you have prolonged exposure to, you know, horrible events on a daily basis. You go from like zero to a hundred and nothing flat and then back down to zero again. It's, it's a lot of ups and downs and it takes its toll. Um, and you do that daily. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whereas Cops- like as a soldier, like we go away for training. We do, there's a lot of build up, work up, anticipation, mission planning, and a lot of that stuff. Whereas like correctional officers and police officers, you're dealing with that every day, the unknown, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? And like, there's no time to sit there and do mission analysis sometimes. Like, it's just like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? And, and I extend That's why that. I love you guys. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Hold on. I want, I want to just, um, I want to say this. Um, you know, certainly corrections, uh, certainly the uh, border services. Uh, you know, we tip our hats to all levels of, uh, you know, personnel, whether that be civilian uh, or sworn. Uh, here at the Canadian Gun Vault, we've always been very uh, frontline friendly. And I've always been very clear about that. I I don't think many people uh, would question why many frontliners don't agree with uh, the decisions made by organization leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, who at times are subject to uh, political sway. Uh, not a good time to be a cop right now. I know. We went from banging pots and pans and celebrating first responders to uh, you guys are, are going to be defunded awful fast. It's terrible. It is. Well, and, and, and again, the, the problem is, especially with police and corrections and all those kinds of things, um, there's a very, very fine line that has to be walked. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the blue and all this kind of stuff. I have, I have no time for people who um, abuse their power. And, you know, I've always said this. I have no interest at all in living in a society where the guardians treat the people as if they're inmates in a giant prison, that they get to brutalize and boss around. The reality is, is police officers are servants. They serve the public and they serve and they serve at the will of the public. Same with military. Like that's that's the whole thing. Like if I see someone like there was actually not too long ago, there was a a lady who fell down. She banged her face up pretty good. Like 
I have a sense of duty to pull over and administer first aid. Oh, yeah. I am Absolutely. a servant to the community. You know what you swear to do and what your heart tells you to do, it wouldn't matter if you had the uniform or not. The truth is you have the training, but more importantly, you're you. So you're going to get out of your car and you're going to help that person because yeah, that's your, tra- who- your training is going to expand on what is already inside you, right? Yeah. yeah. Mil- military people tend to be very romantic. They tend to they tend to generally have a lot of integrity. Um, um, and and I mean, there's the the military uh, mindset has changed a lot over the years. And I mean, I I've always liked soldiers to kind of be a little down and dirty too. I mean, you you we, we don't want our soldiers to be sheepdogs. Our soldiers are wolves. They need to be wolves. They need to be controllable wolves, but they need our wolves need to be able to fight their wolves. The sheepdogs are the police. The sheepdogs protect the flock and they maintain order and they keep things running. But the wolves have to go out into the night and do the dirty work. That's what we want our military to be. And and you know, the problem is is that the line as we operate in in asymmetrical warfare environments, um, like insurgencies and so on, you have to be able to work with people and you have to be able to bring civility to what what is a military job which is the job of the military is to kill people and break things like that's that's their their primary job but they have to have the flexibility to operate outside of that sphere as well well you know what i I can tell you if you want something broken you hand it to a canadian (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, but if you want something right. fixed, you hand it to a Canadian right. too. And, and so, and for all you Canadians out there that are offended by that, I really don't care. You're too sensitive. Right. Uh, I, I, I really, I really do believe that uh, Canadians have had throughout history a wonderful reputation for being terrifically effective soldiers. And Always. you know that's I think that's a polite way of saying oh it. oh absolutely well since World War One yeah right? for sure absolutely for sure. well since right? the Boer War actually yeah, yeah. you know I yeah. I have a Lee Enfield SMLE that was carried by someone in, that's incredible right in, in World War One and Long it, it was it was it was not the Long Branch it was an SMLE so well, it, it yeah. predates the Long Branch so yeah. this is gotcha. the gun that was it was it was um, made in Britain. But it was used for the British Commonwealth, of course, and it's it was got issued. Canadian broad arrow. It's got on it, it's yeah. got the broad arrow on it, so yeah, I know that cool. a Canadian soldier carried this thing. And judging from you know the the depth of some of the gouges, this thing's seen the shit. Cool. And so, isn't it cool to still be able to shoot that today and Hell hit yeah. with it? I mean, I, nothing pleases me more than going after an eight-inch gong at hundred yards and hitting it while standing. Like, I mean, knowing that it can do that, you know, in a pinch with a. a an okay person behind the trigger. <laughs> I, I got a chance to fire a 308 Lee Enfield the other day that actually impressed the shit out of me. And I had never seen, you know, that kind of rifle uh, chambered in that kind of round. It was kind of fun. I like shooting that. I, I was really pleased that iron sights at 100 meters on a tiny, like, one-by-one What's the dimensions on that plate? One by one or uh, you, twelve by twelve? Yeah, by? Yeah, oh, it's de- it's definitely it's definitely a twelve by twelve. Twelve by twelve. So one foot by one foot. Oh, so yeah. at hundred meters with iron sights. Yeah. Right, from the kneeling, hitting ten out of ten on it. Right, and yeah. and that's right? and that's and that's half shooting, si- shooting Chinese surplus ammo. Threat, yeah, the right? crap, the cra- the crappiest ammo. Right at a target that probably. Given the dimensions, it would probably be more akin to shooting at 150 yards in certain if it's surface size. And uh, I was pretty impressed that that rifle could still do that. I, I love yeah. my I love my Lee Enfield, and uh, a lot of collectors agree it's a fun rifle to own. Uh, you guys are gonna kill me because I sold one. Oh, 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 oh,
Yes, and it was a number four Mark One T with all the oh, syrup. Oh, the tea. This, this, you, don't tell me this you interview is concluded. Did you did you I sell did. the sniper? I needed the money when oh, I left. Get out of here. Get off my podcast. I've had, I've had it with you. I almost threw up, man. I almost, it broke my heart. Was it in the box? I had the box too. Oh, yeah. The all guy the probably numbers matching. Guy probably disabled it. It's hanging on a wall now. Somewhere. You know what? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, 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 thank you BCA for destroying Shirley. history. All right. No. No. Okay. So hold on. So was it was it the little box, the thin one, or was it the big box? It was. It wasn't the matching box. It was for a twenty-two. Oh, okay. So right. But yeah. it was still a World War Two. Oh yeah, box for it. Yeah. Nice. nice. Was, I needed the money, man. It sucked. Like, no, I get that. They're, they're, I was they're really at the time, and I was traveling across Canada when I was leaving battalion from the PPCLI, yeah. and you try to move on with your life and start new chapters. And yeah. man, that is one. Did you, did you hawk? Did you hawk that thing for a ring? No. Oh, well, I, you, it oh. might have been to pay some of it off. <laughs> oh, that's it. You, 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 you know what? You, 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 you are. You and I are so gonna have a talk after the show. Right? <laughs> He's a bigger guy than me. You're gonna, you're gonna hunt it down. Right? You're gonna hunt it down. I'll tell you. Hey, listen. I, I still. I, I got to don't, don't let me fool you. I got an extra. You know, 15 pounds of COVID weight still wrapped around my waist. But uh. hearing, hearing you talk about you know business, uh, perhaps. How, how, how's business? been over the last little while like i mean you've had to work through the covid season like the rest of us it helped me it really like if anything because i'm an online business it's really made it something like uh what really made it go was the the troops that were in borden they were there for op laser they were doing the great work on the front lines and the nursing homes and stuff like that and you know uh facing that situation uh an invisible threat yeah. Right. This bacteria or this disease or this 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 virus that, that we call um, and they were dealing with the casualties and stuff like that in these nursing homes. But they wanted something for morale. And one day they gave me a show I'm like, hey, man, can you make some T-shirts for us? So yeah. I made these op laser COVID-19 Punisher ba- uh, biohazard T-shirts nice. and I made like 30 of them and then they posted a photo of it so i was like okay well i guess i can post it too 24 hours later i get a phone call you need to take that down bushwicky made the o group nice. just, yeah so i took it down oh, all God. of a sudden my Oops. phone exploded <laughs> i ended up making another hundred of these shirts they were selling them they sold out in 24 hours Boom. Right? So from Well, that's on, the kind of stuff soldiers love, eh? Well, and the leaders hate. They <laughs> hate There's it. a colonel right now who was in charge of that entire operation. Don't he's, say his name. <laughs> I'm not, no, but he's waiting for a shirt. You know I what I mean? There you go. See, that's cool. <laughs> I think that's it's cool. cool. And that's cool. I, I'm glad I can bring a little bit of morale for, you know, because it's obviously a mundane job. It's not like an operational tour where they're overseas doing the stuff of their infantry or if their medics working on you know uh well i guess in the medic field they're do- they're doing their job a little bit more in the nursing homes but infantry they're trying to assist the medics right so yeah. it's a little bit of morale something that they should be proud of because they are making history mm-hmm. and i was kind of involved with making some shirts for them it was nice. kind of cool so yeah, it helped that's neat. nice that's very, good very very cool Okay, well, you know, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break here at 30 minutes, and uh, we're going to come right back shortly, folks. Uh, So uh, hang in. Uh, We'll be uh, right back. Cool. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll leave it running for a minute here. Um, Are we live? Yeah. No, no, no. We're not live. Okay. We're not live. But but hold on. But but hold on. We're still we're still recording though. So so hold on. So so this is the part of the show where we're going to start to slip in things like commercials and stuff. Okay. So, uh, 
It's still a business. Bushwalker. Yeah. Buy your shirts. Yeah, buy your shirts, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but like, like we have, I, if you haven't figured it out by now, we have a lot of fun with this shit. Um, I don't even know why I'm still talking in the mic. God, you know what? This will be, for the, this will be need, the blooper need, reel. The, like, it looks good on yeah, you. Okay, so um, just so you know, right, if you point the uh, mic, I know it looks gay, but when you point the mic right at your mouth, we get the best sound quality. When you come down here like this, it's not as good, but you know what, though, trust me, I can hear through the headset, you're coming in like crystal. This All right. Is, yeah, you're doing, you, and by the way, you're doing great. Thanks, right? man. But you know what, honestly, both you guys. Uh, well, you know what? Don't think you're gonna escape. You're not, you're not gonna escape. I'm gonna drag you into this, right? We got uh, Dave, as, a, as a fellow Italian. Dave, Dave we got we got we got an innocent bystander in our midst. He's he's agreed to sit quietly and watch the podcast. Is it entertaining enough for you, brother, or what? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you listen. Would you listen to this shit? Right there, you go. <laughs> That's what it's all about, dude. Honestly, I saw some of your tape stuff, and I was really impressed. Thank you. Mm. You know what? Uh, and I knew when I met you, I was just, I, honestly, I knew we were going to end up working together. Um, I didn't know how it was all going to look. Okay, I still don't. But we need, well, we need to get out to the range. Dude, yeah. Oh yeah! It's a range oh time. yeah! Absolutely. Well, you should see this guy's friggin' gun room, eh? Like, I oh, yeah. oh, yeah. don't do it. I, 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 dude, I invite very few people into the vault. Okay, but I'm gonna have you down. I love it, dude. Yeah, but brother, you you should see the, the like some of the some of the people he knows, right? So like he's working. I don't with, doubt it. He's working with uh, movie armaments group out of Toronto. They have everything, dude. Like you name it, they got it. Name a gun, they've got. Have it. you have you ever been to the movie armament uh, vault? Not their vault, no. Like so, my first time meeting them was at TACCOM. Okay, so what they put out on at TACCOM was like a fraction. Well, it was it was the important ones, and yep. it was one of everything you know that they thought was important. But um, I walked into Vault One of Five. Holy okay, and when I walked in, and you know I've been in a battlefield, and I'm no stranger to machine guns. I love machine guns, but Who I walk doesn't? in. Doesn't dude? Right? I know, but you right? know what? Though? I, I I get I get into this room, and I look around this room, and. You know, at Battlefield, and I see just so many things I want to shoot, and in that moment, you got to pick, you know, like five to seven of them. You don't want to go overboard, but as I'm doing it, you know, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be in this room, but until you get into the movie Armament Group, Vault 1... Holy fuck, dude! They've got racks of everything. They got like like on on the wall. They have arms that stick out like this, where they line up all the MP5 Ks and then all the MP5 SDs. And it's like, dude, it's like a scene out of the Matrix. You know well, what he says? Again, oh, I mean, need more that, guns. Yeah. Get me guns. <laughs> it's like that, right? And so that's and, cool. And, and dude, to just get in that place, I can tell you that you know, like working with Charlie, like like just getting to know him a little bit. He's a hard ass. He used to own a gun store back uh, back in the day, like when the last time we went through these bands, he had to shut down. Then he got in the movie armament, and next thing you know, like he's the guy. And like I'm keeping some of my stuff there. Like I've got a machine gun collection you'd love. Cool. All right. So, but at some point though, I'm gonna bring you down to my vault is much smaller by comparison. I can show. So it's gonna be impressive. It, you know what? If it, if it is at all, it Brian's only, was you, impressive you, too. So do, like, you, you know what? I'll I'll tell you right now. If you grab yourself like a coffee table book of important firearms or you know like meaningful ones or cool ones. Like with some pop culture references and movie stuff too mixed in there, right? Like I got like one of everything and I love it. I'm still wow. working on, it. dude. I, honestly, yeah, you got some pretty cool. Stuff. I got I got some cool stuff. So you'll like it. Oh yeah, here we go. Is that your own personal stuff? Oh no, I don't own any. Oh shoot, I just lost. Yet it. that was a long that was a long branch. They're so nice. Yeah, they you, are. They're well you built. sold yours, eh, bastard? Uh, <laughs> bastard. No, his wasn't a long branch. Uh, no. no, his was a T. 
Mine was a BSA Shirley. BSA Shirley, right? Oh, okay. So that's oh, so that's, that's a tea. So is that a post-war tea you had? You had a post-war 1944. tea. 1944. Oh shit! Really? Yep. Oh, cool. So I probably didn't see service. No. During them, but it was probably a training rifle. Oh yeah. Yep. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was in good shape. Probably went. It was in great shape. This is that's worth a lot of money. Those. Yeah. Yes. Holy. Yeah. You know what, dude? You could spend your money all day long. Oh. <sighs> When I win the that's lottery, scope. I'll that's I'll buy scope. another one. Oh, right. that look at that STG. Wow, we got we got we got a nice. big fight right now. I know. That's that's a fight that is such a well, I'll be cool, up there September twelfth. Oh, so. you're going, eh? I'll be there. That's yeah. sick. I got a crew of guys going, so yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll be man. wearing more. We're trying to figure really? out how oh, we should really? That thing is so Well, you go as cool. Canadian Gun Vault, mm-hmm. and I'll have my guys from yeah. So September twelfth, if you go up dressed up as a Canadian Gun Vault, I'm gonna have guys dressed up as Bushwicky. We're gonna have some teams there. Let's we're do it. We're wondering if what? we should go in suits. What? Or what? What? what, are we, what are September twelfth, the. Uh, oh yeah, uh, that's oh. the thing. This is happening. Although, guys. Parliament is not sitting. Yeah. So and there's the, not going to be anyone there. Yeah. So you know what? Like, honestly, I don't know if it's going to happen because some people have brought it to my attention and it makes sense. Like, are we going to look stupid? You know, kind of protesting, protesting in front of an empty building. An empty building. You know, oh, like, no, why? Yeah, what? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he prorogued. He prorogued. He shut it all he down. He shut it all down, He dude. shut all the investigations you, see, this is... down. It's all done. Okay. It's so all done. Let's hold on. Hold on. Back it up a little. Okay. okay this, 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 You're this, getting this, out, right? Okay. You're this getting is... out, so it's okay. You could talk about this. All right. Okay. So hold, so hold on. Yeah, but if he's not out completely Yeah, yet, I can still be held liable. Yeah. So you know what? Got to cover the kid off. No. Okay. Hey, no, no, no. No, no. Well, okay. you don't have to be insulting. It's just a matter of uh, what uh, is actually going on. I know my left and right of arcs. There I know. You and you know what? I, I, I have I have no doubt. Shot over. I'm, I have <laughs> I have no him. doubt that you are completely aware of the risks you take, and so I only ask that you you know be true to yourself, but cover your ass, kid. Don't get yourself in trouble. Okay? Absolutely. I'm going to stand for my rights. I have a right as a Canadian to sure. stand up for that. I believe that my rights were infringed upon, and. Uh, a peaceful protest, which I know that I'm not allowed to be involved in, but I'm very open to the fact that I will, if it's still going to go on, I would walk in front of Parliament in a peaceful manner. And if anybody was not being peaceful, I would hold hold them accountable. Like, yo, you need to go, and I would... Flag down law enforcement and get them oh, out of there. Oh yeah, yeah. I I have no doubt that oh, if, if if this thing happens, that we're going to be on our best behavior and we're going to we're going to be self policing. Yes. Okay. And that's that's the beauty of the Canadian firearm community is that we pretty that's much what they don't understand. Yeah. You know what? I really wish people would understand how how much effort goes into getting your license, the expense involved when you start buying the things that you really like. But and, I mean, let me guys even even look at the pro- protests in Virginia. Like like twenty thousand armed protesters wearing vests, full battle loads, loaded rifles, showed up at the Virginia legislature to express their dissatisfaction with a government that they felt, a, a state government that they felt was exceeding its authority, and there wasn't one incident, there wasn't one arrest of any member there that was protesting, not one. And they cleaned up after themselves. And they cleaned up after themselves. That's amazing. They left the place cleaner than when they found it. Yep. So, you know, that is the firearms community. People who own firearms and who enjoy them are passionate about it, and they tend to be very responsible about it. That's not to say everyone is, but what you'll find is, is when you see the dumb shit where people misuse their firearms or they or they employ them inappropriate, 
inappropriately in situations There's where they're bad not apples for, everywhere, man. Sure. It's it's generally people that are not well trained and well versed. Yeah, I bought a gun, I got my license and I bought a gun. I never use it and then a guy broke into my house and I did something stupid when it wasn't called for. Yep. You know what I mean? Like not not people who are passionate. There's 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 no like Olympic shooters in that group. You but you're I mean? like you're a good example is in the fact that how many years did you serve in the military? Twenty two. Yeah, that's a that is a significant amount of training yeah. with firearms, right? I've got eighteen years, Mark. How many years on the law enforcement side? Twenty years and I've been pulling the trigger since I was five. So that, five. that is a significant amount of training and discipline. Yep. Mm. Right. So and that's the thing, like whenever we go to the range, we hold everybody to the same standard. A, we just want to make sure everybody's safe and having a good time. Right. And that's when I I get into conflict conversations with people and they they just they don't even want to hear it. I can't even get the words out. Like no matter what I say, there's no I'm not trying to convince them. I'm just trying to open up their perspective because i'm i'm okay with listening to their perspective and why they don't want us to have firearms and the the crimes and the the incidents and whatnot like i'm I'm, you know my heart goes to them as well if someone let's say lost a family member due to a a shootout that happened in toronto due to illegal firearms Mm -hmm. but if someone was a victim of a a violent crime with firearms of course i'm going to be sympathetic to them but, but all firearms owners are like, yeah. we, but that's we, it, we, yeah. We just are. You know, uh, as, as a community, we abhor the inappropriate use of firearms. They're tools. They're, uh, many people are passionate about it. They collect. They, they shoot them in sports. They, they compete. They do all these different things. They hunt. Uh, but the last thing people want to see is these firearms being brandished inappropriately or being used in, in ways that they're not meant to be used or they're not, you know, intended for in this country. And we're a peaceful society. We're an orderly society. Uh, and we've jumped through the hoops and demonstrated responsible ownership of private property. And to arbitrarily be assigned blame for spiking uh, crimes that have to do with social issues and cultural issues um, as, a, as, a, as an easy sellout to, to sell the idea to the public that the politicians are doing something when in fact they're ignoring all the things they need to do to get the crime levels down, to stop the shootings. And they're making us a scapegoat. And every time groups of people have been made scapegoats in history, it's turned out bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we are being scapegoated right now. And, it, you know, we may not have a Second Amendment in Canada, but people who don't understand that it is a violation of rights to steal your property. And it is an inherently bad idea mm-hmm. to disarm a populace. It just is. We have a government right now that is exceeding its mandate. It's exceeding its authority to operate. Um, it's a minority government. It's, it's acted in a very <laughs> questionable way towards a lot of laws. Uh, it's refusing to answer for any of its behavior. And, oh, by, by the way, while we're at it, let's disarm everyone. You know, and, 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 and I have a, a concern with that. I think that's a very a concerning behavior. I think, so, I think anybody reasonable would have a concern with that. How many people signed that petition? Like over 200,000 people? Mm-hmm. Like, not, not, a, not a small number. And certainly uh, the Wii scandal lately has brought a lot of the uh, <clears throat> misgivings uh, of this government to light. I love watching Bill Morneau get, 
have an opportunity to resign. Just you know that that brought a smile to my face. It didn't last <laughs> long though because they replaced him with Miss Freeland. I'm waiting for four or five more smiles, <laughs> followed know. by one great big grin. We're, yeah, and a big piss up. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, I, honestly, like, I mean, have you been keeping up to speed with what's been going on lately politically? Because I know you're a very busy guy, and you're probably working with business. And you and- know what? Like, there was a. I kind of turned off the news for a bit yeah. because <laughs> I was yeah. just like, smart. Yep. I just, I'm, I'm trying to take care of myself and like what's going on in my environment yeah. and like it just felt like <laughs> everything so was so hor- negative it's worse than you thought <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just like i'm just right now i'm just trying to create so much positivity around me and i understand that's why i check out the canadian gun vault because like, you're the best <laughs> look at you that's what keeps me up to speed with things, you Good know what I mean? Good, man. I, you know what? That's kind of the way I envisioned it. We would become like a, a news media source slash entertainment. I mean, I start every day with the weather forecast. And, and, <laughs> and, and, true. Right? And, and, right? And, and a sunrise, if I can find a good one out there. Uh, I love it when people hand in their sunrise picks to me. I, I You know what? I took a great one today from uh, conservative member of parliament, Rachel Harder. Yes. And you I'm- know what? She's a real tiger, too. I like I like her. Um, you know what? She, she strikes me as a take no take no nonsense kind of woman uh you know certainly pierre polyver has been doing oh, yeah. He's an outstanding job like, 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 all, and you know, and i just i you just see the blank look on my face i'm like what oh yeah oh, no, no, you know, tr- pierre, trust me we'll fill you P- in pierre uh, yeah he's a You're conservative like guy this. young conservative guy and he he just he just goes in front of the media and asks questions of the government and they they, they can't deal with any of it because every single thing he says is like a giant dagger right into their dignity okay well, like, I, I think i might have seen one of those oh things, he's right? magnificent yeah, something he that is he, really here, magnificent. Here, we, here we have the trans- Transparency of the current liberal government. Here are the email exchanges between uh, yeah, all yeah, the people the, involved in this scandal. And it's just black pages, black dude. Black page after and black page. And, and Pierre's <laughs> throwing them in the audience, it's right? Like, look, look, at this, yeah. look at this black page. Look at this, another black page. Oh, here's, here's an email. We don't know who it's from, but it goes to this person. And guess what? It's all blacked out. No, it looks like FBI dossiers from JFK. Like, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's just all blacked so, out. Right. It's like, look, it's the UFO files. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are UFOs real? I don't know. Here's a hundred blacked out pages to let you know. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness. It, it's it is definitely not the transparent government that Justin Trudeau promised to its good citizens. But uh, in addition to that, you know, the deeper they dig into this wee scandal, uh, the more they find you know wrongdoings. And of course, in the middle of it all, Justin Trudeau decides that he's going to just arbitrarily shut down Parliament. He just prorogued it. He shut everything down. He shut down. We down shut down all the committees that were looking into the malfeasance and corruption. It's that sounds illegal. Like, it should we, be. We are, you know, we have no right to look down our noses at uh, at at South American and African banana republics. We have no right to look down our noses and go, oh my God, that's a, that's a crumb. Or or you know, like a, a Caucasian, you know, Ural states with their with their governments filled with corruption. We have no right to look down our noses because we are right in there with them. Absolutely, we are. We there is no difference. I mean, you heard about they they spent three hundred and fifty million dollars they gave to a Quebec company to make masks. They haven't produced a single mask yet. You know why? They don't have a factory. (laughs) So the government said, no, 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 no. That's okay. We'll build you a factory. (laughs) Guess who got the job? Guess who got the job to build them the factory on the government's dime? 
SNC level. Of course it was. I'm surprised it wasn't Bombardier. <laughs> They'll build it at a, at a, at a hollowed out, uh, hollowed out. Oh no, or Western Star. <laughs> like this, this needs to stop. Like this is absolutely chaos. Like it's destroying our country. Oh, well, absolutely. and 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 now today, Christian Freeland, you know, has talking about our route out of the pandemic, and she said, above all things, the primary concern of us navigating our economic way out of this 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 abyss has to be green that has to be the overriding concern whatever we decide to do it has to be green and it's like what are you talking about lady we're a country full of natural resources and you want us to what buy batteries from japan or you know raw materials from from africa and asia so that we can build solar panels and what are you talking about what are you talking about? You want to build windmills that have a lifespan of five years and then and then have to be, you can't be recycled. You got to bury them. The carbon fiber isn't, you can't be recycled. So the carbon fiber that makes the blades, they build these things that last five to seven years and then they throw them in the ground. That's, that is what they call green. And yet people are making tens of billions of dollars off this. It's, we are... You know, we're we're a tin we're, we're a tin pot dictatorship <laughs> yep. is what we are right now. It's pretty and, bad. And and you know, and pretty soon disarmed and poor. Freeland's also talking about an eighty percent income tax rate. Not disarmed. I don't believe that for one well, second. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. Right? You but know what I love about Canadians? Well, no, no, uh, I, no, no. Let's not go down that road. No, but. no, 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 no. no. But, but you know what, though? I don't think we're... No, and I say that because I don't think we're going to... I don't think we're going to make it don't to make whatever. Me. Don't whatever. make me start talking Greek. <laughs> start talking Greek. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what, what I was going to say is I don't think this government is going to last much longer with the, you know, the behaviors like this. Nice. Uh, Canadians Canadians appear to be waking up. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of rumblings. You know, you know I have my fingers buried deep in the internet like 20 hours a day you know i i do plug myself into recharge for four you know usually some point during the day wow. but but i i i'm getting the sensation that we are in fact and, and rod geltaka of the ccfr made a reference to this You're fact but we have yes, been we have really. we have sunk our fingers into uh this thing in a way that has reached out to the liberal um you know sections of the internet like they're starting to get it so i think that more now uh more so now than ever I think that we should be focusing on uh, holding the news kind of accountable to report accurately what's going on. Yep. And at the same time, uh, I think we've got to maintain the integrity of the electoral process. I think that that's really an important thing that we need to focus on because I think it's going to come faster than we think. Uh, they've shut down Parliament so they could last till like, at, at least October, uh, I guess it would be the, uh, the thought. Um, in that time, they could do a lot of promising to the groups to get their support again. You know, uh, right now they're on the hot seat. Uh, nobody wants to be standing next to the guy who's in shit. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, so, hey, leave no man behind. But, hey, if that guy is like a heat score next to you all the time, like nobody wants to stand next to that guy. So, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, he, he shut down Parliament to make sure that this, this constant, you know, uh, barrage of, you know, uh, exposed element of the scandal after exposed element of the scandal. He's decided to shut down everything. So that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, we've certainly got more people than ever kind of involved in the fight, and I'm uh, I'm really happy to say that I see the firearm community really pulling together. Yeah. Uh, I really do believe that the, uh, the legal battles uh, that are to be fought are, are going to be great ones. 
you know, we've got the best people on it. Uh, if you haven't heard about the uh, the lawyers uh, that have been retained. Sol- Solomon Friedman. Yeah, yeah, like they've got the very best on this thing. I encourage anybody out there that hasn't given already to the cause to please do so. I know Podcast Brian loves for me to fit this in at some point, and, and thank you for always reminding donate. me. It's donate. important. Uh, donate to the cause. Uh, we got a big legal battle ahead of us, and you know what? We've never had this government looking shittier. I say we push forward hard. I yeah, agree. Absolutely. You know, well, I mean, these this, these are property rights. Yeah. I mean, gun, guns aside, uh, these are property rights, and the fact that you know we 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 have always been a, you know subject to royal um, uh, royal authority. We we are subjects of uh, of the crown, um, but for them to leave out. Uh, our right to own property that was taken away from us when the Bill of Rights was replaced with the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And uh, I I, I can't verify this, but I've heard rumor that it was actually the RCMP that recommended that they not include property rights in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms so that we, we actually don't have the right to own property. Everything we own belongs to the Crown. And it makes it very easy to confiscate um, things, whether it be your home or your land or, you know, your your, ca- your car, your kids, your, bank your guns, account. your yeah. bank account, which apparently they've done, you know, so. Well, you know, if you, if you talk to anybody who's experienced communism, they'll tell you, uh, I learned very early on, I had a, a great deal of exposure <laughs> to the Vietnamese community and I learned very early on that, um, you know, things like home invasions would happen to two kinds of people, it seemed. And, uh, you know, the Vietnamese had uh, a propensity for not trusting the government. And as a police officer, we'd have home invasions that would either be drug-related or the people would be of uh, Asian descent, and at some point their families had lived under communism. And, and so these Vietnamese people would sometimes keep their money in some place other than the bank. Yeah, so yeah. knowing that you know criminals would target them intentionally, and, uh, you know, if you've, again, if you've spoken to anybody who's experienced communism, they'll tell you that at any point for the good of the state, you know, you could lose anything that you own. You know, your bank account's been seized. You know, oh, sorry about that. It's necessary. Um, you know, we're going to tell everybody to stay inside, you know, during certain hours. And if you're caught outside, you could be subject to an arrest or worse. Um, I don't think that any Canadian realizes, you know, the direction that this country has been headed in. And you don't have to be a tinfoil hat theorist to see, you know, where socialism leads people historically. So having said that, you know, uh, I I definitely think that, you know, we should spend a little bit of time talking about uh, more than just politics. Uh, I love to give our audience a little taste of everything. Um, You know, we, we like to showcase the good with the bad. And uh, certainly politics can sometimes cast a dim light on our podcast. But... You know, I always have a way of uh, bringing things back to life. Brian is always a big help. Coach Nick couldn't be here with us tonight. You know, he's doing his own thing, getting ready for uh, a special event tomorrow. Nice. But uh, he would have loved to meet you. He he told me. Tell him I said hi. We'll do it again. All right, and absolutely. But so now, uh, one one last time, right? You uh, you own and operate a company called Bushwicky Apparel. Uh, I know you're on the gram, you're on Facebook. I am, yep. All right, and uh, certainly we're looking forward to seeing you again in the future. Uh, we're going to be getting you out shooting. That's a must. Yeah. Okay. I need it. Right? I'm dying. Okay, well, then that's that's why I'm going to end the podcast on a high note by asking you, you got a favorite gun? You know what? I have a couple. 
Yeah. I like anything that was like work related. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I love a pump action 12 gauge. Yeah. Right. Like uh, Remington 870. For some reason, I love that shotgun. Solid. And to me, it's like it also has that international sound of. Fuck off! Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Everybody yep. knows that. You language. done yep. fucked you did up. You not belong yep. here. Yep. You know what I mean. Yep. You are trespassing. <laughs> um, so that that to me is a very powerful um, firearm on its own, mm -hmm. just because of its its status. You can breach doors. It's it's a great tool. Yep. You know what I mean. Um, but uh, the AR-15. Like, that was my bread and butter. Like, yeah. since I was 16 years old, I've been carrying something. Well, it was the C7. Yeah. I carried that since I was 16. Um, so, owning my own AR-15, like, I absolutely love it. Like, to me, it's yeah. an extension of my body. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And, and then, you can't explain that, eh? You, you just can't explain that to someone who hasn't carried it as a work tool. But it's it's it, it's such a feeling of uh, familiarity and nostalgia. Oh, so, yeah. you know, when they turn around, they say, well, you, you don't need it. it. It's all of a sudden it's like saying, yeah, take my arm away. Like, just take it away. You know what? Uh, if I could get back uh, Bravo Whiskey 693, I'd have her in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I Honestly, I, I, I would have figured out a way. I'm going to try and keep track of her over the years. Uh, if they ever retire her and it ends up in some sort of surplus military shipment going out to some other country, uh, I'm going to do my best to snag her uh, <laughs> if I'm still alive. That gun's going to run forever. Uh, I'm a Glock man myself, personally. I love Glock as well. Well, you know what? They're not the prettiest gun on the planet, but they I work. I love them. With they the work. Zev, like, yeah, but they're no good for hammering and dead pigs. Uh, furniture on it, man. Oh, my God. Oh, you're not one of those Gucci Glock guys, I, you are know you? What, man? Oh. I, 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 I can run a regular Glock 17 all yeah. day. I love it. Yeah. And the Glock 19X, I think, is a great, cool-looking tactical yep. pistol. But you know what? When you throw some of those... Well, I shot with Millbrook, and yeah. uh, I shot the... He had a Zeb upper, and he had the red dot on it. And the yeah. groupings that I was pulling with this thing yeah. was unbelievable. Trigger. Did it have something? Uh, something? I, I think he had the flat trigger on yeah. it as well, the Zev trigger nice. on it. Match nice. grade barrel and stuff. Like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. People don't understand, right? People who love guns, like, really appreciate and love guns. Like, it's the not craftsmanship. like. craftsmanship. Dude, it's, it's not just that. But a lot of people don't understand that when you're a gun lover, like, I mean, you know what? Like, uh, for the people that don't get it, I mean, it's so many things. It can be the love of the mechanics. It can be the history. Yep. It could be the. It could be the everything from the look to the way it performs. It could be a work tool, like you say. Like people that love firearms really love them. It's not just a set of golf clubs. Like it's it's really it's something much different. If you've ever been, you know, addicted to buying shoes or purses, you know, I tell girls that, and and you know what, maybe that's sexist. I don't know, but I can tell you right now well, that they seem so to understand. It's an it. example. Well, yeah, it's just an example, and 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 certainly girls seem to you know understand that, and they'll, they'll look at me and go, oh. Like, yeah, like, you know when you got to have that purse <laughs> that goes perfectly that Glock. with the, those shoes? Yeah, I need that Glock. Oh, dude, dude, dude. When, when it, yeah. When I, when I came back from overseas, like, I, I wore a sidearm every day I was overseas. Yep. Every day. Feel naked I, without I, it? I wasn't allowed to carry a rifle because, well, I was a line sergeant, and we had to be... We had to be different. We had to wear berets. We didn't wear ball caps. And we had to wear a sidearm. We didn't carry a rifle. Because if we carried a rifle and we wore a ball cap, no one would talk to us. We couldn't We couldn't negotiate with anyone, right? Oh, yeah. But if we wore a beret and we carried a sidearm, we were important enough that they would at least have a dialogue with you. And then you could try and get some things done if there was a problem. And I wore a pistol every day I was overseas. And when I came back, I'll tell you, it was months before I didn't miss that weight on you, my 
yeah. go to the car, like, oh shit. I yeah, yeah. Where'd I leave it? Or like, yeah. like, yeah. you know. But just that that feeling of that that little hunk of iron on your hip. And I mean, I carried a Browning, and the Army Brownings. I mean, we used them for hammering in tent pegs. They were. <laughs> I mean, they were. And no they wonder. Hold on. And you wonder why they don't oh. work all oh, the time. They you guys were, get down on Brownings. Dude, they were like, shot. I, I'll tell you, they I, were shot. He's he's got an English Browning, yeah. and it shoots like oh, yeah. a dream. Oh, yeah. right? Does no stoppages, no nothing. Well, they're brilliant pistols. They are brilliant. Very simple design. Like they're they're to me they're flawless. They just need to be maintained. Like when I go to nice. when I go down to the, yeah. the the vault and I'm pulling out a a Browning high power. Yeah, it's I'm you know it's cool. I guess it says 1945 on it. I'm like okay, this thing's really old. Seriously? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they're, they're still using Inglises down there. Yes. Eh? Oh yeah. god. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Whereas I shot with like Australian. Uh, uh, soldiers in a competition they've got like the new generation pistol and i get to fire and i'm like okay this is different yeah you know our mags are a big issue maintenance is a big issue yep. like the, even the way we teach our troops on how to clean and maintain firearms sure. i went my entire career cleaning it so it was ready for inspection and i started doing that in the sniper cell they were gonna beat me yeah yeah, yeah. you oh, leave yeah. your guns like, dirty not filthy, no, not but filthy, like, but you don't well, you don't clean them for inspection. You take the cleaning rod and then you put it in like the the flash hide of a AR, let's say, yeah. and you start scraping the crown of it so that you could see the silver of it. Yeah. That is the last point of contact of where that projectile yeah. touches before it leaves and makes it to its destiny. So now you're mm -hmm. going to create all these burrs and stuff like that. Like so, like this master sniper is telling me, he's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and if, if an instructor, like if you go on your leadership course yeah. because you have to do all these inspections, yeah. they tell you that you need to get it clean like that. Just be like, well, I'm not doing this unless I have an appropriate tool that is maybe rubber to yeah, do that yeah, but yeah. I don't have the appropriate tool to use that because you're just you people <laughs> just, are going I'll in there with the multi-tools and cleaning their optics and stuff like that like you just cringe see, well you know what I talked to a guy from FN uh, about RC6s right I was talking to a guy from FN he said you know you guys clean these things for inspection all the time he says it's a motor yep it's a motor and the fuel is the ammunition so if you took your car engine apart after every time you drove it, you would get shitty gas mileage and you would get unreliability, right? Mm -hmm. You need to shoot it. It needs to get running. It needs to get a little bit of carbon buildup in the right places, and then it'll run smooth and never have a stoppage. You could slather some more oil on it. <laughs> it'll keep running. Now, eventually, it'll gum up and you'll have to clean it just as you would a car engine. But, but and, and again... You know, cars have uh, cleaners in the in the gasoline, but but you do not want to polish. Like people are polishing the piston faces and the and the and the gas, gas plugs and, and the gas tubes, tubes and the gas like, pistons oh. and, and 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 they're just polishing them. You know, and it's and it's it's bad for the for the tools. I mean, they're Jamming machines. tools into the trigger mechanisms and stuff oh, like horrible. that. It's yeah. Horrible. You, you know, I, I, was it you or was it Bugsy that told me? Um, they would like pour motor oil right directly down into the actions of like M2, dude, dude. M2 Browning we, as they're we, running. Oh, that yeah, you? no, no, that was me. Was no, wait, yeah, that's fine. I've that seen works. guys use transmission <laughs> fluid, and I'm yeah. like, really? Like, well, when have you ever seen a rusty transmission? I'm like, good point. All right. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we used to throw our right, we used to take the wood off our rifles and we'd throw them right into Varsol bass and we'd leave them there. And the, you'd pull them out after an hour and they'd be bright orange. They'd be bright orange. And then you have to scrape all the rust off them. Yeah, all, all the uh, all the carbon's gone, 
but, but the but they're covered in rust. Brutal. And now all the all the bluing is coming <laughs> oh, off. And oh, God. Oh, no, man. Horrible. We destroy our own <laughs> firearms. Oh, yeah. Well, they're well, not they... meant to last very long, too. And it's funny. When you see American weapons, yeah. they don't get rid of their weapons, no. right? So we, we trained with the... Um, with uh, one of the uh, armor battalions when we were down at Fort Knox and uh, the guys they're all carrying M4s right Vietnam like po- just post Vietnam era no. M4s and they're silver they're bright silver really they've been they've been carried and carried and used and carried and cleaned and carried and used and carried and shot and and they're silver there's there isn't an, 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 an like we're, we're we're taking black magic markers sharpies and, 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 and blackening in every little ding on our rifles for inspection and stuff. And these guys, their guns, their their firearms they're are, are bright silver. They're so they're, worn out. They're, you know? they're tools. You know, I've got. <clears throat> there's one piece I have in the in the collection, and I don't talk about the collection uh, much, but I have I have a, a an XM one seven seven E two build. Do you know that one? It's, no. it's, 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 it's the... Vietnam era, it's the, M16 it's the shorty. Er, it's, the oh. er, it's the earliest version of the M4 rifle, like Vietnam War era. Very and, cool. And shortly after they changed uh, from triangular handguards, yep. um, you know, on the big ones, they, they discovered that they wanted to make, you know, a, a shorter version of it with a ribbed handguard and this big, you know, five-inch flash hider, which was really actually uh, a kind of... Small suppressor, like it had baffles in it, because yeah, they yeah. they the Holy. troops were complaining that the the rifles were short and there was a lot more extra muzzle report, and so they they actually put the actual ones have like a, a more or less a moderator, and it, it tones it down a little bit and it's more like a flash forward than anything else, and it does make it more comfortable to shoot, sure. but it's built entirely out of 1967 vintage Colt Vietnam era GI parts kit. Wow. And so I'm really proud of this one. And I no built, kidding. Dude, I, I love it. Like, I mean, the rifle Very is... Very rare. It's, well, it's all from 19, and it, right down to um, the vinyl acetate stock, which is like an uh, old-school two-position uh, M4 slider stock, no, but it, it's got this rubberized finish on it that well, feels warm on yeah, your face. It's, it's, it's so cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's our, so cool. Our, our early C8s had that. Yeah. Remember the earliest C8s? They had those the same pencil stocks. barrel pencil barrel and they had the weird kind of uh, steel rubber stock on the back like you've never seen anything like that it's not like the ones they have on the C7 A2s no, no. I'm trying to think of the the original short carbines that we have yeah. with the C8s and oh this is this is way this is this would be even even for you to see them I'll bet you he's he's younger no right? no no our our early C8s yes. when we first got them in like yeah. 1990 uh what did we get 1990 1990s when we got them. Yeah. Right. That's when the SARP. That's when the SARP see, yeah, project see, came in. Showing small, his age. Small arms. He, small arms. He carried around. Well, he carried around an FN. I, I did. I car- <laughs> You know what? That's why I picked up a C1 because I'll tell you, uh, um, yeah, a, a lot, a, a lot of I, no, no, but a, a lot of a lot of nights, Perfect. a lot of a lot of nights sitting in trenches, uh, in bunkers inside vehicles whatever you know with that cuddled up to that rifle that rifle's you know beside your sleeping bag and the feel of it and the smell of it and like and knowing what it feels like when it's hot and knowing what it feels like when it's when it's freezing cold and you know like feeling feeling the temperature change in that in that tool from 
from night into morning as as the sun comes up, you know, and that and that first kiss of the sun hits you when you're in your when you're in your trench. Yep. And that and that rifle go it's still got that the night cold on it and it starts to get that the dew on it because it's so cold still yep. but it's starting to warm up. Just just that that familiarity. It just brings out an incredible amount of nostalgia, right? Yeah. So see listening listening to you guys talk, all right, like well at least at least uh, Brian at this point anyway. Like knowing that you guys have been on like the other side of the world and like sat in a ditch with a rifle, woke up in the morning, you know, next to it. Like you, you're not sleeping in a bed and you're in the comfort of your bedroom is the point I'm trying to make. When you're out there, you know, I, I call it on the road, but I mean, when you're deployed and you're on the other side of the world, away from family, all right, sitting in a dark ditch. You know, maybe that you had to dig yourself. I don't know. See, right. I was lucky. I had three hots and a cot, man, most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Freaking Holly, so Hollywood I soldiers had, here. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> we were in full operating bases, so I wasn't like good on camera. I do. That's about yeah. it. But uh, I was in a mod tent, and then there was yeah. a, a massive guard where I stayed in. Ba- it was almost like a cave. Yeah. And I had a bed in there, but it was like full of rats. Yeah. And I slept with my pistol right above my head because it was just like right around the corner. There was like an opening area where I was just like anybody could walk right through that yeah. and come in and shoot us. Yeah. No one ever did, thank God, because I, there's observation posts ahead up top and stuff like that with tanks and stuff like that with observation. But, yeah, I was lucky. I, I wasn't like that where I was, like, shell scraping it, whereas, like, I've got friends who were on Op Medusa. Yeah. Like, they were on the front lines and stuff. So I, I can't take that credit. Brian, you you may have experienced something similar to that, but well, I, I could at least say, like, I didn't live off rations and I had three hots and a cot, so I was okay. pretty no, fortunate. No, no, no. We, we, were, we were good. We were. I gotta like, stay in my lane. You know what I'm yeah, saying? No, no, no. We, we, you know we, what? We were, hey, hey, mad, mad respect, because you know, well, you know what a big deal it is when you when you take something that's not yours. Well, so it's, you it's, it. it's it's funny, you know, it. because no, no, we when, when we trained, we were training for war in Germany, yeah. right? We were we were training for war on the central plains of Germany, which was uh, farmers' fields and and forests. We did we did woods clearing, mm-hmm. and we did uh, we did you know uh, uh, live fire and dry fire um, section platoon company attacks, and we were training to fight the Soviet you know threat which is hilarious because we'd have lasted all of about 30 seconds they'd have rolled right over us man they're just too armor heavy like they're just i mean they just had tanks everywhere and uh you know with the budgets the 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 problem the scary the scary truth at the time is that the u.s military's plan was is when all those russian armor divisions poured into the central plains they were just gonna detonate a tactical nuke and just and just get rid of a huge portion of those forces right off the bat, right? And we knew that's what we were facing, and we did the whole NBC warfare, wow. NBCD. It was brutal, man. Like, uh, But, well, you know, but the thing is, it meant that all our training was out in trenches, overhead protection, uh, you know, bunkers, uh, Soviet defensive Dig systems. Yeah, uh, and we did a lot of vehicle training. We worked with the Grizzlies and the Cougars and all that. We did our tank training and, and mechanized training and stuff. So, you know, if we were lucky, we, we, we got tents rather than rather than hoochies. We, we did some, some armor, some mechanized warfare stuff. But uh, for the most part, I mean, if we did... If we did uh, fighting in built-up area, we called it at the time, and then it was called Mount, and I don't even know what you call it now, but uh, urban operations, urban operations, right? Yeah. So, so when we when it came to that, that was a real special thing, and it was so different from everything we were doing, because you know, 
everything for us was up, two, three, down, two, three, up, two, three, down, two, three, right? Like, get up, he sees me, I'm dead, down. And shoot, 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 while Buddy moves. It was all pepper potty. And then, of course, you know, a lot of a lot of what we were doing was because of uh, the uh, Falklands War. So we, we were dealing with Vietnam and we were dealing with Falklands as our primary motivators for warfare. Not a lot of fighting in built-up areas, but the reality is, is the minute we hit uh, Yugoslavia, our troops never went into the field. They were always fighting. You know, if if they were if they were deploying out of some place, they had taken over a section of abandoned town, and people were sleeping in hardened buildings. They were having to harden them up. You know, fill them with sandbags and all that kind of stuff. But it was a whole different way of operating. And the reality is, is if you can get cover. Like if you can if you can get shelter, get it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? You got toilets, you got kitchens, you got bedrooms. Do it. Yep. But that's not the way. When I first started, that's not what we did. I mean, geez, we were, st- we were still fixing bayonets. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, and you know, proud of it. I mean, it's it's cool. I got I got to do the whole sort of transition from the old shoot to live program and all the way. You got to see up. how it evolved. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, up until the new, you know, uh, 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 gunfighting programs, and it's it's a very different thing. Yeah. And, uh, see, I'm always I'm always fascinated to listen to Brian talk about his experiences in the military. You know. I I, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about yours. Um, you know, it, it, people don't understand. Just, just, just packing up and moving to the other side of the world and being away from your family alone can be uh, taxing type activity buddy just getting cleared to do it can be taxing yeah you know because you gotta you gotta go through a whole process right dagging like like at every stage someone's overseeing whether or not you're suitable to deploy overseas shots right medical assessments it's called it's called dagging it's like a it's like a a a checklist dental right so they it's like okay go see the dentist you go see the dentist oh yeah i had to get my wisdom teeth pulled before i deployed yeah really yeah because they can't have that shit happen over there absolutely so we all had to get them pulled yeah yeah no 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 no. like i mean i imagine in 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 the military it's all about planning ahead i mean if you want to live you you better be you know kind of aware of what you're going into and be prepared for it dude we, we had so many and people be there for an extended period of time yeah we, yeah. we, 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 to go. we had people yeah. fail dag departure assistance group yeah. we had people fail dag because of bad teeth oh you 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 need you need uh root canals you need fillings mm. well you're not going anywhere no. bye off you go back my, home my grandfather often told me that he uh he survived world war ii because he couldn't go he couldn't fight he had uh he had a foot that was messed up he had a broken foot and he ended up making rope for the big ships, right? The battleships. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And that was his contribution to the military. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And we have, you know, long history of policing in the Morelli family. We've always been get involved kind of guys. Um, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for the military. I, I think that they're, again, you know, our most undervalued um, commodity here in Canada. Uh, I got nothing but respect for the guys that. You know, put it all out there on the line and uh, travel the world, uh, you know, in the good name of Canada, uh, whether it be peacekeeping uh, or combat. Uh, Canadians have always made, I think, uh, its population very proud uh, by the way that they've uh, conducted themselves and uh, certainly performed. It means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to the the rest of the veterans and those who are currently serving and uh, previous, like, veterans like Brian, like... But it's a two-way street in my in my eyes. You know what I mean. Like if 
we like when people say to me thank you for your service man i'm like i kind of like ah, you don't need to say that you know what i mean like, i did it because i loved it right yeah, yeah. Y- you did it because you loved it i did yeah. yeah and like sometimes i feel like people just throw that out there it's just like you don't have to say that yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like don't feel like you know it's almost like if i sneeze you say bless you you know what I mean? yeah <laughs> you don't well, have to you know say what? it well <laughs> i was i was raised right and i, no, and I, I from and you I, I i get it i i would i would turn i would turn to anybody even somebody i didn't didn't like too much if they sneezed i would say god bless you yeah and uh <clears throat> but that's not the reason that i'll thank you for your service right i i will tell you right now i've thanked i thank brian before he's heard it enough i'm not going to do it to him again tonight but i will tell you this um <laughs> uh, i'm I am pleased to be in your company, uh, I'm very, and I'm very grateful for your service to your country. And uh, you know, you've done us all very proud. And I'm, uh, I'm thinking it's, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you, young Dave. Yeah, like I, that's thank you, like and to you too, Mark. And I, I don't know if he wants me to say his name on on here, but I'm just saying like to to be around like-minded individuals. You know, Brian's here, Mark's here. We have another brother here as well. And, you know, these military law enforcement, you know what I mean? First responders, people who are out there and care about you who is for whoever is listening to this right now. These everybody in the semicircle right now cares about you and your family and your well-being. And that's why we do what we do. Wow. You know what? I'm so glad I brought you on the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. Right, thank you. Uh, folks, if you haven't seen him yet, Bush Wookie Apparel, uh, Big Dave Wars running. It's thank uh, you. veteran owned. And you know what? Uh, Again, uh, always a pleasure working with you. Brian, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, Mark. Okay, folks, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.